0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going pretty well, Graham. Glad to see we're back here again doing this. Didn't it take a two- or three-week hiatus, nope. so you can do your Baltimore travels yet again. So how's it feel to be in Atlanta for more than six consecutive it's, it's days? It's quite odd. Um, I feel like a little bit... Like the kid gets caught with his, his pants down somewhere when he didn't really anticipate anyone walking in on him, if you will. Uh, explain further. Well, one, it feel a little awkward being in Atlanta back-to-back weeks, of course. Okay. Two, this is really where it gets kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Made it, I made an egregious error that was pointed out to me over the last weekend that I want to acknowledge at um, the very top of the show. On the podcast? On the podcast. It was about four or five podcasts ago and I was uh, screaming and squawking about oh the Phillies <laughs> yeah. you know what they did they went out there and got Joe Madden. Jesus Christ you know the guy wins wherever the hell it goes doesn't matter what the cops the reds doesn't matter he's going to bring a winning culture to fucking Philadelphia I you got to be concerned about it and then we are talking to our uh, friend and uh, correspondent occasionally John Galvin over the weekend Philly John Philly John and I was just I think I was at had a a couple of drinks, and I just point at him and yelled, And he just looks at me and just goes, "Well, no one can see what I look like yeah, right it, now on the a, on the podcast." But the show, but he looks at me like I have uh, I'm having a stroke or I have some uh, mental disability or something. Where he's like, "I don't know how to tell you you're wrong, but you're really fucking wrong." Well, you were so confident, and he was doubting himself. Oh, is that what happened? Yes, okay. that, that's exactly what happened. Oh. And uh, I mean. My the source that I knew had told me that the Phillies got Joe Madden, so to me I was like, "Yeah, man, they got Joe Madden." And like I, I assume we were both looking at John, like this guy calls himself a Philly, Philly John, and, he's not, and he's he doesn't even the know, the know who the manager is. Yeah, and um, yeah, it turns out they got Joe Girardi. Yes, which happened a lot later than the Joe Madden sign. Joe Madden went to the Angels. Red, I can see how you do it. Yeah, I don't know why i i went there i even watched like not a press conference but him being interviewed on sports center shortly thereafter and i was like oh good for the angels and then for some reason in my head when i thought about it like the next day i was like Goddamn damn got joe <laughs> madden <Martin." laughs> so i just want to acknowledge that and say i'm sorry yeah that was an egregious error yeah um shows we don't check our sources and no generally if someone's passionate enough about something we'll believe them yeah exactly yeah. Was, was uh was your source me yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's why in my head the Phillies sure. had Joe Madden. Yeah. Uh, that was funny. Yeah. Anyway, and slightly, I guess, better news depending on what context you, you you view this. And the Falcons won on Sunday, a rousing forty to twenty win over the Carolina Panthers, to improve to four and nine and drop to number seven uh, overall in the twenty twenty NFL draft. So. It was a weird game. We had a couple of season-ending injuries. Then Desmond Trufant and then one to Calvin Ridley. Trufant suffered a friendly fire attack from Ricardo Allen, who I think speared his, his forearm and broke it when he was trying to tackle someone else. And then Ridley has some abdominal injury that hasn't been further diagnosed, but the team officially confirmed that he is out for the remainder of the season. So the Falcons are now very, very thin at cornerback and wide receiver. Not that it really matters at this point. Um, Russell Gage is now your number two receiver, Adam. Yeah, not to sound insensitive, but I've never cared less about season-ending injuries. No. And if anything, it's like, okay, maybe that helps us lose a couple more games. It it just might. But yeah, the receiving core is quite thin, Graham, after losing Sanu to the trade, as everyone knows, and then uh, Calvin Ridley. So, But hey, there's a chance for... Russell Gage, just step, step up. Uh, was it Zacchaeus, yes, the guy who had the 93-yard touchdown last that was week. A, that was a hell of a play. Matt Ryan drops back and delivers a perfect bomb to Zacchaeus, uh, whose uh, first name, difficult to pronounce. We're not professionals. What is it? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you just not know it? I don't know it. I never heard of him. Apparently, I mean. I know he's a rookie out of Virginia. Well, Matt Ryan and uh, a lot of the other – and so sort did of Julio. Alamide. I'm sure I butchered the hell out of that. Alamide Zacchaeus um, Yeah, undrafted free agent and hooked up with Matt Ryan for a beautiful 93-yard touchdown pass. Some of that was certainly on Zacchaeus. The pass itself was probably 45 yards or something like that. Makes the catch, breaks a tackle in single coverage, and takes it to the end zone. Um yeah, so Matt spoke very highly of him in training camp and all the way through the preseason, and it was good to see him actually get out there and contribute in a big way in a meaningless football game, but it still was an encouraging sight to see. And for whatever reason, Dan Quinn just owns the Panthers, 7-2 and two over the course of his career as the Falcons head coach, which is so odd. Yeah, it's pretty bleak for them to get swept by us just – I mean, probably two best games as well. Yeah. Minus yeah. The Saints minus there. the Saints game. Well, which is weird, too, because the Panthers have been very competitive all season. Even the games they lost, they went up to Lambeau and lost on, you know, because McCaffrey got stuffed at the goal line. They lost, as we mentioned last week, to the Saints on a field goal that their kicker missed. That was a, a chip shot. And they lost a couple other games that have been pretty close. But with us, we just like, I don't know what it is. We're able to get pressure. We're able to force turnovers. KZ gets two more sacks. Your boy Vic Beasley got a couple of sacks, up to six on the season. I know, right? Uh, very odd. Isn't there some bet about how many uh, sacks I think Vic s- would have? Yeah, there's some six bet. Six sounds like the number that you would shoot so low. Right. But give someone like, you know, it could, it could happen, the person who's actually making the bet. Well, I think it was you and I, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We'll have, uh, we'll have to go back and look at the tape on that Jared, listen back through yeah. the last... Four months of episodes. Yes. A much better game for Matt Ryan as well as opposed to that horrible game against the Saints he had on Thanksgiving. He was actually given, given some time to make passes in the pocket by the offensive line. McGary looked a little better. Um, yeah, Matt throws over 300 yards and two touchdowns and looked overall pretty good. It was good to see Austin Hooper get back out there. He didn't have a huge impact but you know made a couple of nice catches. Devontae Freeman got his first rushing touchdown of the season. Uh, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I just think about how I felt while I was watching the game It was just with the greatest sense of ambivalence you could possibly have in a game. I was like, there's a couple of times, you know, I plotted and I, I was like, yay, we did something. You know, he's at a bar, uh, you know, the Kirkyard bar where we went week one. And, uh, those, uh, a big group of Falcons fans still sitting there at the bar. Yes. but There wasn't as many of them. Uh, there wasn't as many of them, but they there, they were there and they were, you know, we got there at like 1130 and they were pounding drinks and, and and they had a frozen they had a, they also got some like frozen margaritas or something and the bartender was like you guys make that last now it's going to take another you, know, if you order another it one, it's going to take another 35 minutes for it to get out of the machine and they're like Bleh! that crew must feel like trash on mondays oh huh? god yeah <laughs> yeah they were, they were getting into it um, but it, it was just it was it was it was weird because you know you got the falcons game on and then you got 49ers Saints game very highly highly competitive game maybe an NFC championship preview Ravens-Bills, another really good game with teams fighting for playoff seeding and things like that. And then you got Falcons-Panthers, two teams who are just totally screwed. One team who fired their coach during uh, the middle of the week just engaging in this battle of of pretty trash teams at the end of the day. Yeah, I was uh, listening to part of my take yesterday for their Monday uh, NFL wrap-up where they literally go into details on every single NFL game. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the 1 o'clock slate – Falcons-Panthers were the uh, last game that they hit, and they were going to just completely skip over it. But they said this game happened, <laughs> and I think the only thing they mentioned was uh, Young-Wei yeah. Koo recovering his own kick. Yeah, he had a hell of a game. He <laughs> yeah. had four field goals, one of which was a 50-yard hit off the uprights and actually went in. Then He recovers a, yeah, recovers a fumble. Um, off a tackle, was so weird. I was like, "Who the hell recovered that fumble?" And I was like, "Damn, that's cool." He runs around there like he, he's ready to hit somebody. Yeah, you rarely see something like that. Nat um, Ryan officially is in the fifty thousand yard club, which was nice to see. Uh, on a pass to Russell Gage, fourteen yard pass in the first quarter. He is now the tenth quarterback to surpass fifty thousand passing yards. And he's only about a little over a 1,000 yards behind John Elway. So I guess he's a pretty shitty quarterback. Here's the thing, though. According to uh, all these Falcons fans out there who hate Matt Ryan. Yes. But, I mean, look at this list. Uh, Top ten is Drew Brees. Hall of Famer. Playing currently. Yeah. Tom Brady. Hall of Famer. Playing currently. Peyton Manning. Hall of Famer. Recently retired. Brett Favre. Hall of Famer. Modern day player. Dan Marino. Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers, maybe a Hall of Famer. Roethlisberger, Hall of Famer. Eli Manning, will be a Hall of Famer, even though he's turned into a, you know, pretty below average quarterback. John Elway and Matt Ryan. Yep. So to take a, a take here, Graham, um, this almost feels like how you feel about wins and losses in Major League Baseball, like just based off that list, and I mean it's all guys. Most of them are guys that are currently playing, or like in this modern. Age of football, yeah, and have played for a long time. I disagree with your comparison because uh, I feel like with baseball, with for a pitcher, the team has to do a little more. You know, it's a little bit more out of control of the pitcher's hands in order to get a win. Yeah, but you, you do have to have uh, some decent receivers make yeah, plays so, for you, Graham. And admittedly, Matt Ryan has been blessed with a, you know, an impressive array of, of receivers. He has Tony Gonzalez the greatest tight end ever, you know, for five years of his career. Roddy White turned into a, an excellent receiver. Julio Jones will be in Canton one day. Um, you know, so, of, of course, he's, he's certainly had the support there uh, from a receiving standpoint. And, and people who want to maybe poke holes at Matt can say, well, what would, what would happen if he was, you know, had Tom Brady's receivers right now? You know, who, who can't do much. Right, all I got is pretty much Edelman, and yeah. and they don't know how to utilize Mohamed Sanu. But you know, Tom Brady also had Gronk for eight years. Yeah, he had Randy Moss. Yeah. at points in time, all well, these guys have had yeah, great Brady. receivers. Yeah, it's not like it's a uh, <clears throat> you know it's a unique thing. I, I guess the, my other thing with this is just hearing people talk about it this week mm-hmm. for another Atlanta zone comparison that we make every now and then. Mm-hmm. I guess I kind of feel about Matt Ryan throwing for fifty thousand yards, how I. Would have felt if Trey Young won the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it really doesn't or matter. Or winning a Gold Glove. Well, I'll, I'll actually will vehemently disagree with this one because you can't take you. You know, you could argue whether or not the merits of Trey winning the MVP or Marquez winning a Gold Glove. You can't argue that Matt Ryan has thrown for fifty thousand yards. It's not a subjective award. It's in the record book. He did it. You know, there's no way to say, oh, he doesn't deserve that. But right. I get what you mean. It is the same thing in terms of, oh, it's a nice accomplishment. In terms of my interest no, level. No, I get as well. it. It's a nice accomplishment, but what, is, what does it, it really do? it not bring us a super... It didn't bring us a super... No, what does it really do for us? So, there is that. Um, it's more impressive, like, personally for Matt Ryan. Yes. Just to be like, I've stuck around this long. Right, and I've played at a very high level for the most part over the yes. 12-year career. Um. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it is kind of an, uh, an empty, for, for for us as fans, you can take pride in mass accomplishment, but what does it really get you at the end of the day? There's that, but there's also, you know, same thing with Roddy White going in the Ring of Honor. It's a really nice. I think Roddy absolutely deserves it. He's an all-time Falcon, but just makes you get upset because you're like, Roddy deserved a championship. He busted his ass. He was a guy, if we, you know, roll back the clock. I remember in his rookie season, Mike Vick had thrown two touchdowns, and I was always like, I really want Mike to throw for three touchdowns. I don't know if he ever did in a single game with the Falcons or not. <laughs> that Mike's be true. Well, at that point, I don't think it was. Okay. This is like 2004 or five. This is like whenever Roddy broke into the league. I can't remember what year that was. It was either 04 or 05. Mike's on the run. He throws a perfect pass. It's an outdoor stadium. I don't remember what stadium it was, but I remember Roddy, there was no one around him within like 50 yards. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but like if you looked at the screen, I don't like anyone. I think I remember the same play. And he just, it just hit him perfectly. And it was such an accurate throw by Mike on a deep ball, which, you know, you most of the time didn't really happen. Yeah, And he just missed it. And I was like, this Roddy White guy is a fucking bum. I screamed at the television, my 14-year-old dumbass, thinking he was a total, you know, uh, lame-ass. And the interesting part to me was is how he transcended his game shortly thereafter, especially in the 2007 season, the Joey Harrington season, when, you know, the Mike Vick dogfighting thing happened, all was lost. But... While that was happening, Roddy White put together a thousand-yard season with Joey Harrington and Byron Leftwich as his quarterback on a team that sucked ass, was awful, and had bad quarterbacks and didn't bad have coaching. A, yeah bad coaching. Didn't really have great receivers. You know, it was him and Michael Jenkins and Crumpler, maybe Crumpler. So, which you know isn't terrible, but for him to come out of nowhere and become the number one after two subpar seasons or whatever it was. Uh, was great, and then he went on to have a, just a fantastic career. Leads the Falcons all time with touchdowns, I think like sixty four or something like that. Eclipsed ten thousand yards. Um, you know, he, he was he was just outstanding. A great mentor to, to Julio, great teammate. It was really a shame the way it ended with Shanahan, um, and all that drama that happened during the Super or pre actually the year before the Super Bowl run, where Roddy would complain about something the offense to Shanahan or to Dan Quinn, and then Shanahan. Would just ignore Quinn. Mm-hmm. And it created a lot of locker room issues with Roddy, and then that was the end of his, his I tenure. I still can't believe he never, like, he didn't catch on with any other team. Well, that was the thing. He was one year removed from catching, you know, getting 900 yards in a season. So it yeah. was it was crazy. To, yeah, I agree with that. It was it was odd how that uh, whole saga ended for him. But good for him to get in the Ring of Honor, but it just made me sad because I was like, Roddy deserved better than just the Ring of Honor. He deserved the Super Bowl <laughs> and the Ring of Honor. Another missed opportunity for. Atlanta sports team having Roddy White and Julio Jones across from each other. And Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Harry Douglas is a slot receiver. Solid little slot receiver. Uh, every time I think of Harry Douglas, I think of him falling down in that NFC Championship game, that wide open throw by Matt Ryan against the 49ers, and he just lost the ball in the lights. He caught it somehow, but then he just like collapses as he was someone just uh, some sniper from
1: top Who did that of Georgia to Dome. Pick?
0: I don't think it led to a pick, but I think we eventually had to punt at that point. But there was – because I think we lost some yards and penalties or sacks or something. But there was literally no one in front of him. he just stays on his feet, scores a touchdown, we go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Uh, That was a good team too. That was a good team. Uh, Yeah, so Falcons went for you 20. And we'll see what happens with these injuries, how it affects the secondary too. Now we know that we'll have – you know, Kendall Sheffield and Isaiah Oliver will get more snaps. Bleedy Ray Wilson, your boy that you once referred to as Booty on the official, uh, the first episode of this show, mm-hmm. will uh, also get some more snaps. Uh, Demonte KZ, I think, is a born safety. Yeah, that I man's a ball hawk. Yeah, he elevates his play when he's, when he's playing safety well, and, he, and gets turnovers. Well, he had two picks and he forced the turnover on the kickoff as well. Yes, yes, that, he did. Uh Koo recovered. Yeah, and so that makes you wonder more about Ricardo Allen's tenure, potentially Keanu Neal's tenure. I mean, I could foresee one of those guys going to make room for KZ. I think KZ is proving himself that yeah. he, you know, belongs. I mean, both Neal and, and, and Ricardo Allen are, you know, really good players, and they're both, you know, big-time emotional leaders, so losing either one of those guys would hurt. But KZ... Uh, in particular, has stayed healthy. He's, a, he's coming into his prime, and he's you know got a ton of interceptions in, in less than two years. I think he has like eight or nine picks or something like that. And he's going to be a lot cheaper than any of those other guys. Yeah. And, and we have a nightmare of a cap situation coming up. We do. So you do have to let some of these younger guys on cheap contracts step in. And could we have seen the end of Desmond Trufant's tenure in Atlanta? Is his contract up? So here's the cap situation as it pertains to Trufant. If he's on the roster in 2020— he will count ten point two million dollars against the cap. If Atlanta releases him, we free up four point nine five million cap space. I think I think you got to let him go. Well, I will say without a doubt, Graham, that I'm not a capologist, so I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked at all the numbers. See, how, I don't know how much we need to free up. Four million doesn't seem like that much for. Desmond Trufant? No. Considering our secondary, otherwise. Well, it's close to five million. It's four point nine five. It's you know rounded up, it's five million. Splitting hairs. Okay, yeah. we'll call it five. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know either, but I know that I've I've liked what I've seen from Kendall Sheffield over the course of the season. Isaiah Oliver since the bye week has looked a lot better. He's not a finished product. Trufant has had his moments this year, but he's you know getting older. He's not staying as healthy as he used to. And that's not a recipe for success, especially as a cornerback in the NFL. At the end of the day, you gotta cut some guys loose at some point. Like there, there's a big debate going on today about Austin Hooper and how the fans are gonna freak out if we don't re-sign this guy. We, Fuck can't, the fans. we can't afford like we can't afford it's, Austin Hooper. It's tough. And he's and he's not like he's not uh, George Kittle. You saw George Kittle. In the same yes, game. Yes, where he was literally dragged th- two guys who were hanging all over his face mask 25 yards. Yeah. He's not George Kittle. No. I would say he's a tier below George Kittle, but he's still really good and very young and could probably, get better. Probably a top 10 tight end. Yeah. The issue is, you know, if you lose him, you're receiving, you know, now you're skill position players. My boy Jaden Graham steps in. Well, we'll see. I know he had that big, uh, who was that big catch against that he had? I can't remember. He had a big catch, almost like fifty-seven yards or, or something. It might have been the other Panthers game. But he hasn't gotten yeah. a huge opportunity. No, he hasn't. And it would be really hard to lose Hooper. But I agree with you in the sense of all the other moves that Thomas has made. You know, particularly with the Carpenter and Brown deals, like we talked about last week, and and these other these other things he's done. Uh, akin did that. Have, have really screwed our cap, and the guys we, you know, would really like to sign, or you know, potentially you can't do it. You just can't. Yeah. You need to have a hell of a draft this year. Get two to three starters out of it at least. Yeah. I if not more. Love of God can't be, can't be this current regime. I'm still unchanged in my opinion there. I agree. Um, Falcoholic put out an article today that I didn't read. I read the headline though, Graham. <laughs> and, it, and it was just uh, like it or not, Arthur Blank could see enough in Quinn to bring him back. Fuck me. Is yeah. that just a think piece or is that sources say of course you only read the, the headlines so we don't know so that's, that's all the info I have alright right, well, but I think there's still like it just caught me because I think there's a part of me that believes he could bring him back as well uh, bring um, him back with fire Dimitrov that would be funny like Quinn just keeps like Dimitrov is the last link to the Smitty era well, but from like, but like standpoint. for you know, for Quinn like we fired it he's fired Offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, special teams coach, and it's just Quinn hanging around. But Dimitrov is also a link to some of the mistakes made over the last four. Or five of course, years. but Quinn literally has no protection anymore. This is on him. You want think, unless you say, "Oh, it's uh, Dimitrov. He didn't give me enough, enough depth." Well, I, I just think that's bullshit because Dan Quinn, like we've talked about, does have a big say in personnel. So it's. It's on him too. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it 100. Yeah. So I, they, they both need to go. We need. Yeah. We need fresh eyes. If if Arthur retains him, and I know that trying to find a good head coach is like, I'm point teeth. It's like getting castrated. It's you know, not it, Stephen it hurts. Belichick. I know we talked about Stephen Belichick. Well, it's That'd escalated nice. now. Now other sources have grabbed our information yeah. and they've been putting it out into the world. Now Graham, it's very unfair. Uh, they didn't even cite Atlanta's man. They did not. It makes too much sense. It was funny. Especially if he's calling the Patriots defense now. That says a lot. They're one of the best units in the league. Yes. So. It's a no-brainer. I mean, I'm all in favor of getting him an interview. And he sounds exactly like his dad. To me, it makes it seem like, uh, you know. I feel like he would. He would probably intimidate Arthur. Arthur Blank's interviewing him, but Stephen Belichick yeah. would intimidate Arthur. Yeah, pretend like you're Arthur Blank and ask me a question. Oh, hey, Steve, thanks so much for coming in down here to Flowery Branch. I don't really like the name. Um, you think we could uh, talk about it, a, a change, potentially? Oh, well, I, I don't know about that, Stephen. I, I don't really want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> you got anything else you want, to, you, want to, you want to say, Mr. Blank? Steve, what, what what type of a uh, head football coach would you be? Uh, just you know, a guy that comes in and does a job. Care uh, to go any further into that? Uh, I mean, you either do it or you don't. I'm a guy who does. Okay, I'm good. All right, let's make this happen. <laughs> I'll be here for the next uh, 72 hours, going over film and uh, send up a bag of chips and uh, maybe a prostitute. Seven, next. seven years, fifty million—will that do it? Yeah, yeah, it should be fine. Okay. okay, we'll mark it down. I don't want to have to pay taxes either. Uh, we'll, we'll make it even out to $52 million. How about that? Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just go something like that and everything <laughs> would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, i give him an interview at the very least. You got to. He's an upstart young guy. He's like a Sean McVegas at the defense. That'll happen. Um, McCarthy still out there. Yeah. I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't hate it. The guy seems like he's taking a year off. Apparently he's been doing a bunch. He's, like, getting a staff together already. He's been doing a bunch of, like, head work on all the potential openings. And I'm sure he could be kind of like a – he probably has his short list of where he would want to go. I think he could really unleash the Falcons' offense for sure. Yeah. Like, make us – more formidable and really get the most out of this personnel because I don't think I really think that Shanahan is the only guy that's really gotten like the you know the peak of what we can actually do as an yeah. offense and you see that the Packers offense has been shitty since he left and they and they got our offensive guru they've been totally shitty but they haven't been as cons- it's still 10 and 3 yeah they've averaged less than three points a quarter I didn't realize that. Yeah. No, they've they've got, they've, they've, they've got like, they're like one of the worst looking 10 to 3 teams you'll ever see. All right, then. Yeah. They're very hot and then very cold. Yeah, I haven't really watched, admittedly, a lot of Packers games. They did almost lose to the Redskins over the weekend, so I guess that tells you sort of everything (laughs) you need to know. Yeah. Uh, Falcons play San Francisco this week. We know how good they are. If you don't, they're the number one seed currently in the in the nfc overall and they went to new orleans and beat the saints last week and prove i think they've proven over the last couple weeks that they can run with with anyone in any type of game they you know went straight up against the ravens and lost by three points in really tough conditions in baltimore rainy game slog slug fest you know old school football game is like 20 to 17 they have this huge you know uh, gunslinger, offensive shootout game, uh, New Orleans a week later. So all for all intents and purposes, I mean, th- this is a very scary team, and I don't foresee a way that the Falcons can win, but I also didn't foresee a way we can beat the Saints either, so who the fuck knows what will happen. Yeah, you, you mentioned all these different types of games that the Niners have played so far, mm-hmm. but they haven't played one game with Youngway Koo standing on the other sideline. He has an intimidating presence. So that's the X factor, the Koo factor. The Koo factor. If you will. He's going to be in there on special teams making tackles, recovering fumbles. Uh, he's was, the best on-site kick kicker I, in the I, NFL. I predict, I predict a first-half onside kick. I would like to see that, honestly. Yeah. Like If we if we got an early touchdown somehow or even a field goal, just say, you know, fucking, why not? What do you have to lose? Steven Belichick. Yeah, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Uh, it will be a tough game, though. Really formidable defensive unit. The offense is really rounded in the form over the last, like, six weeks or so. Um, you know, you mentioned George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league. Uh, they have a, you know, as we know, Kyle Shanahan is their, is their coach, and you, we know that he can design running plays that there's no tomorrow. He's also... You know, drew up a couple of really nice trick plays against the, the the Saints, and you know that he's going to want to beat the shit out of the Falcons. But also, this team is still fighting for Dan Quinn. They are. They haven't they haven't packed him. That's that's the other thing, and it's a game that I'm sure they would want to win for their coach. And I don't know. I just I think we're what three and two since the bye, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we make this a ball game. Yeah. I mean, stranger things have happened, and you just don't know what you're going to get from this team. We know collectively they kind of are what they are. They're not, like, very good, but they're also going to give it their all, and they can surprise you and, and, and play up to their, what their talent is. Yeah. Calvin really being out certainly doesn't help matters. Yeah. But, I don't know. We've put up big games with random receivers before. Justin Hardy, our eighth-year, 4th uh Stringer. Maybe yeah. He finally steps up. To Caius this year yeah. with that. I mean, that's crazy too. It was his first catch in the NFL. How cool is that? Yeah, that is very cool. All right. I think that we will wrap up Falcons. I think we can move on to, to Hawks getting a little bit of controversy here, Adam. According to a reporter from The Athletic named Shams Charania, he reported recently that the, uh, there's been a lot of Frustration mounting within the Hawks' organization at times, and it boiled over uh, in regard to Trey Young following a recent loss. Um, He vocalized some displeasure there, and one high-ranking team official was seen telling Young that the team would be getting him help on the roster soon, according to multiple sources. The trade deadline is still a couple months away. Thoughts on Trey going to the front office or making a scene in the locker room following... Uh, you know, this hardship that the team has endured to open the season. I mean, I think in general, I don't love it, but it's understandable. I mean, this kid's fighting his ass off, and he's not even able to play the same way that he played last year, where he was such a high assist guy because he doesn't have the players right now that could finish. Yeah, I mean, and, he should be averaging a, a double double, and he's really close to it. You know, he's close to averaging thirty and, and ten, but he's like it's like thirty and eight point eight and eight point nine. And you're exactly right. The talent is not there right now, and it's and it's hurt overall in terms of where exactly where you should be and where I the mean, team should be. Yeah, his number one running mate's been suspended, third best player on the team, Herder's been hurt all year. Although well, he's um, finally back. He is finally back, which has been helpful. Um so you got still developing DeAndre Hunter really developing Cam Reddish, and then even the Vets aren't, I mean, no Deadman, no Torian Prince, Alex Lynn forgot how to shoot the three again. Um, so, yeah, it's been rough. It's not, not what you're expecting. No. I don't think any of us were expecting this. But they looked a lot better against the Hornets, 122-107. I know the Hornets aren't, you know, the paragon of the NBA or anything like that. But it was good to see the Hawks get out to a lead and hold on to a lead, which they've they've struggled with a few times this year, four or five games. You know they've had a a, a decently sized lead and they, they've blown it. Uh, most recent one that really comes to mind was the uh, the Nets game and particularly the Pacers game, which I lost by like a point I think a uh, week ago. So that was really good to see. Harder looked good in limited minutes, in 25 minutes he looked pretty solid. So I think you know the the good news is is that even though there's um, unrest in the locker room, it doesn't sound like it's unproductive. It sounds like people are holding, holding each other accountable and they're trying to get better. It's not like some prima donna acting like he deserves the world, which I guess out of context, you look get Trey Young sort of maybe acting like that. But this is a guy that cares more than anyone on the team about winning and doing whatever he can to eventually formulate a team around him that will hopefully give us a championship one day. And so I think it's, you know, and it's hard to say, you know, we don't know how he went about doing what he did. However, I think it was good to at least let the team know that he's unhappy. Maybe he could have done it in a more private way. But I also thought it was interesting to hear that roster help is coming soon, whatever that means. Right. I mean, I think it's good to get give the team a little kick in the butt and, like you are saying, just see that they're not going to lay back and just accept all this losing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's still NBA players on this team. There's still some talent. Yeah, there's still an expectation to get to the postseason this year, right? Um, they've won two out of three since that happened. Yeah, but yeah, that that is interesting to hear that. I don't see us as a team that would be adding pieces this year, um, but that's certainly what was implied. But then again, it to sources sources say this, sources that say that, Graham. Right, but it's been confirmed from multiple reports, not this necessarily, but that you know there have been locker room meetings, there have been you know, guys calling each other out in, in positive ways to try and get the oh, most Oh, no, you know, no, I'm talking about you know. the trading for a new piece. Oh, the trading for new yeah, sure. Yeah. We don't know, yeah, getting roster help can mean a number of things. I mean, hey, hold on, John Collins mm-hmm. is coming back in like uh, a couple of weeks. It could mean, I don't know, you know. R- right. So, um, but you never know, we could be making a, a, a trade for a piece. There could be someone who's mm-hmm. sliding out of contention that could, you know, has someone who's maybe could be a little older and, uh, or, or younger and controllable that can come in and not you know break the bank that could help us uh, get where we want to get to. Apparently the uh, Thunder are selling big, Grim. Mm. They got Chris Paul, your boy Dennis Schroeder. Yep. I don't know who else. I do the Thunder. roster very well, Grim. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure Trey know Like he sees the bigger uh, puzzle that we're piecing together right now. And uh, knows the direction of this team's heading, so I don't think we're gonna like mentally lose the kid. No, to the point where he's gonna be demanding out of Atlanta in a year or two. No, and he although well, in a year or two, you better see. Yeah, you better some see kind of some improvement, improvement or a player of his caliber will ask for a. Uh, will certainly ask to be moved, which yes. is the last thing we want. Considering uh, that, you know, I I perceive Trey to be a, a, a huge part of what we're trying to do for the next. Twelve years or so, however long. One of the best things we have going for us in the city of Atlanta. Yes, for sure. Trey so, Young, Ronald Acuna. Yeah, so we want to make sure that he's as happy as he can possibly be. Yep. Uh, not really much else going on with the Hawks or the Braves, really, Adam. Uh, there's been a couple of reports that the Braves have checked in, quote unquote on Anthony Rendon, probably just doing their due diligence. He wants somewhere in excess of seven years. More than $200 million. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, I'm Alex Anthopoulos, checking in. I'm Scott Boris. Yeah. Oh, hey, Scott. Uh, oh, hey, Alex. Is your team actually, uh, is Liberty Media actually giving you some money to, to work with this offseason? Well, I'm not going to tell you how much, but yeah, we got some money to spend. Oh, okay. I'm in the market for a third baseman. Really? I hear you got one. We we have a very talented one. He just won a World Series. He hit uh, well over three thirty, and uh, like a five hundred like six hundred slugging percentage at thirty plus home runs. Hey I don't I don't need the stats. Uh, like, you, you think I don't know the stats, Scott. is this is this what you do? You just recite stats, is that your job? I'm trying to make my client look like he's uh you know Hey, I worthwhile. told you I'm obviously interested. Brass tax, give me the numbers. Oh, it's gotta be at least seven years and two hundred and sixty million dollars um yeah I'm good okay you, you got anyone a little lower on the shelf like a, also, how about like a veteran like utility player got Chris Davis uh if you, <laughs> if you can talk with the Orioles about getting him out of that uh trading potentially you know he he's a power bat he hit 53 home runs in 20 in 2015. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus yeah that's not gonna happen so but apparently we're Checking in for what that's worth, but I mean the big, the bigger issue. I mean we're not getting no. i doing. crazy to even yeah. Bring that up. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, we have to go to four years on Josh Thompson. I understand. I, yeah. I understand it's too many years. He's going to be 37 at that point, Adam. Yeah, he's. We're basically paying him for the next three productive years, hopefully, maybe two, but. We, I, I Aren't mean, you the one that always says if you have a chance to win a World Series now, you go out and do it. And if paying Josh Donaldson four years gets it done for you, so let me ask you this: sleep through those last two years. Let, let me whatever. ask you this: with if we bring Donaldson back, we pretty much have the same team we had last year, outside of subbing out Dallas Keuchel for Cole Hamills and improving the bullpen. It's, it's a little different; bullpen's better, but the offense is largely the same. Right. Is that enough to win a championship? Even if you bring some back, do you feel like you're in a position at that point to win? I think we had a World Series caliber team last year. Mm. I mean, look at the team that won it. We dominated them throughout the regular season. Right. If the Nationals can win one, why can't we? Nationals might be built a little better for the playoffs than we were. They had three aces. We We did not... And, and they utilize their aces very effectively, not just starting, but using them whenever the hell uh, they needed them to. And we just don't have a manager who likes to do that. Well, the thing you have—I mean, you have to remember with the Braves—is we've got these developing young guys. So if Soroka and Freed step up even more from where they were last oh, year, yeah, they could—they could develop into that for sure. Yeah. I'm not saying they couldn't. I'm just saying—and you never know—you what you got with Folti, Cole Hamels, Newcomb. I—I I like those are three big question marks for me, more so Hamels than. Hamels and Newcomb. I know what Fulton can give me. It's just can't he do it over the course of the season. But I'm more I'm, I'm more concerned about Hamill's health, and I'm more concerned about Newcomb's ability to succeed in a starting rotation and not walk everyone under the fucking sun. You and Hamill's health. The guy's been hurt. Two out of the last three seasons with a big oblique injury, and it just happened three months ago and causes ERA to balloon to 5'7 ERA, and you just paid him $18 million. You're goddamn right I'm concerned. I'm not here to talk obliques, Graham, okay? We, we talked obliques last. But that's week. a big deal. Okay. But the point is, would you rather go into the season without Josh Donaldson? If there's not, no one better, then no. And that's the biggest problem. There's not. I mean, not that we can afford. No. And that and that's and that's the issue. You can't... Like, here's the thing with Anthopolis. And here's why I, I kind of think I'm sort of on your boat in a way that I don't want to be. If you don't bring Donaldson back... You are not competing for a World Series this year. There is no fucking way with that offense. Unless Austin Riley is resurrected from the grave from where he was at the end of last season. Unless he comes back and just mashes. Even then it might not be enough. Once again, I'm not Because you'll have that shitty platoon of Martakis and, and Duvall in left field. I'm, once again, I'm not going to jump to your extremes by saying there's no fucking way because a, the lot, team will, a lot of variables happen. The there. offense will be worse significantly. Maybe, but... Significantly. He's He's gonna sign an outfielder or a third baseman. I'll tell you that much. I hope you're right. Um, and one that can contribute. I don't want to trade anymore. for one or something, but yeah. there's there's just too many variables to say that we don't have a chance. Yeah. But our odds are a lot better with Josh Donaldson in the middle yeah. of that lineup. You kind of you kind of have to bite the bullet here. It's just got to hope mm-hmm. that it's not going to be something that kills you. And there's a lot of teams interested in him. And the other kicker that I've seen thrown out there is that the. Um, DH might be coming to the NL in the next few years. Which would be really good for this purpose in particular. Because even though Donaldson is a really good defender, you want to give him some time out of the infield just so he can preserve his legs. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be really nice if they can just sign that into order this year. I don't really care about the purity of the game anymore. I care about what gives me a competitive advantage, and this gives me a competitive advantage. It's as simple as that. And after reading some Anthopolis quotes that he put out to Dave O'Brien today, I'm convinced that – well, also it said it does not seem like he thinks going into the season with the Camargo-Riley platoon is acceptable. No. is an option. It shouldn't and That's coming from him. That's good. Um, and he, he said that he thinks Austin Riley is going to be a great player, but he doesn't know when. Yeah. So, we, we saw two ends of the spectrum last year, and we don't know where he is on that spectrum. And he's still young; like he doesn't need to be ready right now. No, I. What I would love is if he's able to find that that groove he had last year, and you get Donaldson back, and then if you have that, you know, that team like we were rolling with in you know the middle June. the middle months of, of summer, yeah, in June, where we were just arguably the best offense in baseball. Uh, that would be swell tall order because you're counting on a guy who was very inconsistent last year. And you're also counting on signing someone who's going to want excess of $80 million, probably who's, you know, in his mid thirties. He's it's, earned it's, it though. Yeah. I'm not saying he hasn't. It's just a, it's, it's a very risky it's proposition. A, it's a big market for him. A lot of teams are in him. Phillies yeah. are already apparently Texas nationals. Um, yeah. Cause the nationals, one thing that was interesting reading that article is that, you know, Rendon turned down the nationals offer and, uh, according to all these reporters, uh, you know, the chances of him returning to Washington are Slim. So they're definitely in the market for third base, Rendon or, or not, because they don't know if they can get Rendon back, so they got to pursue other options. It's, it's – it, the longer it goes on, the more concerned I become of him slipping away. You're always concerned. I am. But it doesn't – it's. I, I don't. I see, don't see Anthopolis showing out for a fourth year based off his track record here so far. Do you? Yeah. No, I see him getting creative somewhere else. But yeah, I don't have great hopes for Tomlinson coming back. But I think we will. We will add a power bat one way or the other. Yeah, you have to. You have to. If this team wants any chance of really competing, I think you absolutely must. It says currently constructed, once you get past that top four. Or not even top four. Once you get past, uh, you know Cunha, Albys, Freeman. Don't tell me Nick Marquez is going to be hitting fucking cleanup. That's that's not acceptable to me. You can't do it. That's that's a twenty fourteen mentality. You can't you can't be doing that now. Oh no, we've won back to back divisions. No, and I, we, I I been yeah. saying the whole time we need a, we need a cleanup. Yeah. It? So on the same page. Okay. So we'll see what happens there. I'm sure. Tomorrow morning, when we're getting hopefully getting this episode out, we will we'll be some big announcement, and we will, we'll have missed it, and we won't be able to talk about it until yeah, next so week. Yeah, I was more concerned with doing a Tuesday recording, week of uh, GM meetings. Yep. A lot of pieces to fall. Indeed. Could make for a very exciting next week's show, Graham. It could. Or we could just be sitting there going, like, ah, Donaldson still has a <laughs> bunch uh, You did say last week that you're like, I bet he's going to sign before the meetings. I, th- I mean, that's what happened last year. But the thing is, I think the market is a lot hotter on him this year than it was last year, obviously, considering the season he had. So it makes sense that it would go beyond, um, potentially beyond the winter meetings. And I'll just put this out there. I still want to sign Alex Wood. Small piece, I want him. I wouldn't hate it. It gives you, gives you depth. Julio but, Tar- I think Julio Taron is going to make one team pretty happy, too. He's just a solid number four, number five starter that's going to eat up innings. Well, as long as we don't bring him back. We did bring back Rafael Ortega today, as you reported earlier, Adam. Yes, we did. Off air. Yes. Very exciting. So That's very exciting. That, that can be your power bat right there. I don't think that's going to cut it, Graham. <laughs> well, I think that wraps up today's episode, Adam. Unless you have anything else you'd like to opine on. Covered it all, Graham. All right. Our hearts go out to anyone who's a big Georgia Bulldog fan after their horrible loss in the SEC Championship over the weekend. That was sad. I know it wasn't too sad to Adam, but no. You gotta sympathize with uh, your fellow brothers and sisters who are also hardcore Atlanta sports fans and also dogs fans. Yeah, that's a lot of losing to deal with. It's tough. On all ends. Another disappointing season. Yep. We know all about it. True. People say that Georgia isn't an Atlanta sports team, but they sure as hell play like one. Oh, yeah. They're too close. Yep. All right. Until next time, everybody, thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next time. Rise up, chop on, stay in Brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Sib. Oh, shit. <laughs> I have to. I have to close the show with that one. Ridiculous! <laughs> <laughs> I have to link it all together someday. No. Oh, was that recording? Yes, nice. <laughs> <laughs>